This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the It's All About Experience Management podcast, where guests from around the world share with you strategies and easy-to-implement ideas for improving the experience and transforming your business. Your host, Jason S. Bradshaw, has spent decades helping leaders like you and organizations across the world improve the experience and grow their businesses. Now, over to Jason and this week's guest. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of It's All About Experience Management. Joining us today is Dan Gingas. He is an international keynote speaker and coach who believes that a remarkable customer experience is your best sales and marketing strategy. His 20-year professional career included leadership positions at McDonald's, Discover, and Humana. Dan is the author of two books, The Experience Maker and Winning at Social Customer Care, and also the co-host of The Experience This Podcast. Dan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Jason. Great to be here and really looking forward to talking with you today. It's great to have you on. And I have to say, I was a fan of your work before we met because I purchased Winning at Social Customer Care many, many years ago um, when I had the pleasure, shall we say, of taking over the social customer care team of an organization. I'm like, oh, where do I start? Well, I started with your book. So uh, thanks for all your help back then. Well, I'm honored. Um, Thank you. Dan, what is customer experience? So I define it as how customers feel about every single interaction they have with your brand. And the two key components there are the feeling part because perception is reality. So if they feel that the experience is complicated, it doesn't matter whether your uh, mobile team is saying that we have the most seamless, easy mobile app in the world. If our customers don't think that, then they're right. Uh, And the second thing is every single interaction. And this is where a lot of companies sort of miss is that it's not just the in-person interaction or the phone call to the contact center. It's every piece of communication between company and customer. It's every product that they use. It's every time they see your advertising, marketing, or social media posts. All of that goes together and frames the customer's overall perception of your brand. Yeah, and each transaction or each experience adds to or or shapes the overall feeling about the organization. I think I think that's a great definition, Dan. So you you get to work with a whole pile of different companies. You meet thousands of people, you know, probably every month with your uh, keynote speeches that you deliver and, and your other work. What are some of the trends you, and challenges you're seeing at the moment when it comes to customer experience? Well, I think the biggest trends are a little bit contradictory to each other, which is that customer expectations continue to rise. I don't think that companies are getting uh, a pandemic break anymore. I think the customer's patience with all of that has really passed. And so their expectations are super high. At the same time, we have the great resignation and we have uh, lots of companies struggling with hiring and retaining good employees, which makes it tougher to deliver a good customer experience. So both of those things are sort of playing at each other right now. And I think that's what's making things a little bit more difficult. But surely customers' expectations have always been rising. 
They are, but what's happened, I think there's two things that really changed the game. The first, and why I wrote the first book, was social media and and giving customers a public voice to voice their happiness or dissatisfaction with brands. If we think about it, when we were kids, if we wanted to communicate with a company, we pretty much had to write them a letter. That was kind of the way that you would do it. I mean, if you were trying to say something nice, you wouldn't usually call customer service. So today we have millions of people every day that go on to various social channels and compliment brands, criticize brands, ask questions about products and services, and they expect a relationship. They expect engagement back. Uh, So that's one piece of it. The other is, I believe that the pandemic really shined a bright light on both customer experience and employee experience. And it showed us as consumers what it looks like when a company has your back during tough times. And also when a company completely drops the ball during tough times. So I think we saw as consumers, we got a clearer picture of what we like and what we don't like. And many of us said, hey, we like this one over here where the where we feel safe with a company, where we feel like they've got our back and they're going to take care of us, that when the chips are down, they're not going to go out of business and leave us hanging, that you know they're there for us. And these are real feelings that consumers have about the places that they spend their hard-earned money at. Well, of course, most of us are driven, uh, I think a number of people would argue we're all driven, in fact, by the emotions, the the feelings. Some of us just try to rationalize it with you know facts and figures, but ultimately it's that feeling that we're hungry to to experience again or, or perhaps not experience, and that's why we, we choose someone. So, Dan, you've you know, had an impressive career, McDonald's, Discover, uh, and Humana, uh, amongst others. And uh, I'm just wondering, is it really simple to improve things when you're working with one of the big guys, with one of the big companies? Or, you know, is it is it a challenge still? So I'm a believer that customer experience does not have to be a multi-year, multi-million dollar transformational project. Because the problem with that is you're going to be competing against lots of other multi-million dollar, multi-year transformational projects. And that's not the position you want your CX team to be in. I'm a bigger believer in the power of the little things and how the little things add up, whether it's adding positive experiences or removing barriers or irritants, the little things add up. And I have, you know, have lots of examples from my own career where just spending a little bit more time to eliminate all the times that were irritating customers does wonders for customer satisfaction scores, for loyalty, for customer retention, because they're used to having irritants. Like it's annoying to do business with so many companies. If you can be the one company where it's not annoying, that in and of itself is a great start. And then when you start to add some of the little things, a little surprise and delights, you know, I share uh, dozens and dozens of examples in my new book called The Experience Maker. And they all go through the same three filters. And this this is because I worked in corporate America for so long. And I know how hard it is to get things done, to get prioritized by IT, to get budget approved by finance, to get your bosses okay, whoever, you know, the branding team has to say yes. So all of the examples that I share are simple, practical, and inexpensive. 
And when you have those three things, what you find is you don't need as much red tape. You don't have to go through such an approval process to do something, I don't know, that's free, right? It's a little, it's a, that's one less step, right? You don't have to go to the finance department. And I'm a believer that there's lots of ways that we can increase and improve experience by not spending a whole lot of money doing it. And I think that's the key there. You don't have to spend any money or a lot of money to start moving the experience towards that that end state. How do you, though, make sure everyone knows how to or, or what customer experience looks like you know at mcdonald's what you're trying to deliver would be different to what you're trying to, to deliver to customers at discover how do you make sure that the teams know what you mean when you say customer experience and, and what you're trying to improve well again it comes back to every single time the customer is interacting with us and so at mcdonald's that could be obviously a lot of that is inside the restaurant so there's a lot of physicality to it uh, but it also could be using the mobile app and trying to order ahead or it could be going onto the website to see how many calories are in a big mac or you know it could be receiving a coupon in the mail those are all contact points at Discover, a little bit different. You've got a product that's in somebody's pocket or wallet all the time, but you're not, but they're not necessarily interacting with you all the time. So yeah, we can control things like the marketing that we send out, like how our contact center is when you call up. But there's also some peripheral things like, well, what if you go to a merchant and they don't accept Discover card? They might blame the merchant, but chances are they're going to blame Discover. And so that becomes part of the experience that we have to have some involvement in or at least try to affect in some way. And so it's really about teaching your employee base that no matter what department they're in, customer experience is part of their job. You don't ever have to speak to a customer ever and it's still part of your job. If you're a lawyer, you're drawing up terms and conditions and disclosures that customers read. If you're in finance, you are uh, creating policy around what kind of payments are accepted or what the payment terms are or what pricing is. These are all customer experience issues. And one of the best uh, compliments that I ever got was from the chief digital officer at Discover. And it's when he recruited me to the role and I asked him why he wanted me for this role, because at the time, I had never done anything in customer experience, nor had I done anything in social media. And here I was leading both of those things. In fact, if you go to Twitter and you look at the date I joined Twitter, it's the date I took over the social media team at Discover, because I was like, man, I better figure out this Twitter thing here. And he said to me that he had observed me in a bunch of different business meetings and that I was always wearing the customer hat, that I was always trying to solve business problems through the lens of the customer. It doesn't mean not looking at the lens of the company. It doesn't mean that you do things that are intentionally money losing or that are bad for the brand or anything like that. But it's that you run it through that additional filter of how is this decision that we're about to make going to impact customers? And if it's not going to impact them in a positive way, is there something we could do, say, to counteract that? Uh, and, and so the reason I looked at that as a compliment is I didn't actually notice that about myself. He noticed it before I did. And it ended up changing the whole trajectory of my career because I was a marketer before that. And now I like to joke, if I never have to do another marketing campaign again, it's too soon because I'd much rather have our customers market for us. Some some absolute gold there. I love that you highlight that it's everybody's responsibility, even if they're not 
customer facing to think of the experience that's been created for the customer uh, you know in terms of their decision making but also the time and the attention that they pay to details and then um, of course uh, balancing customer and company needs uh, but but doing that it's not either or it both can exist uh, interestingly on your website you have a blog post that's titled when it's time for customers to pay make pay, paying an experience are you absolutely serious you want the check getting the bill for dinner or the bill for something to be an experience i want people to think about the fact that that too is part of the customer journey it's the end of the customer journey in most cases it's an often forgotten part of the experience what drove me to write that blog post is i was in san diego for a speech and i went out to breakfast at a place called breakfast republic and i will tell you i'm not even a breakfast guy but it was an incredible meal and the check comes at the end and it's attached to a fork, like a physical fork. And there's a note on the check that says, fork it over. And I just like, I just smiled. I just broad smile on my face as the bill is being handed to me, right? And you can probably guess the, the waiter got a much larger tip because I'm in a great mood at the moment it's time to decide his tip, right? And so mm-hmm. it works. It, it, it made me think more highly of the restaurant. I, and, and also m- remember the entire experience in a different way. But I also gave an example. But I also gave an example in the blog of a payment experience that was maybe less than satisfactory. There there was a restaurant in Chicago pre-pandemic that decided to go cashless. And they had a cute sign that said cash was king and they explained why they moved to no cash. And this is a perfect example of the business reasons being there, but the customer reasons being forgotten. So the business reasons are really clear. They don't, you know, money is dirty and they're serving food. Uh, they're, uh, they don't want, uh, they're afraid of being robbed. They don't want employee theft. They uh, don't want to have to make a trip to the bank every day. There's all sorts of operational things that go away if you don't take cash. What also goes away is every customer that doesn't have a, a credit or debit card. And there's lots of people in Chicago that are unbanked or underbanked and don't have access to cards. And if they can't pay with cash, they're not coming to your restaurant anymore. And so it's it's a great example of where where you can nail one side of the equation and, and miss the other, and it's not going to be a good answer. Uh, so both of them have to be considered. Yeah, and I think uh, it's important that you're serving more than one customer. You know, uh, if you walk into that restaurant that's cashless and I walk into that restaurant, you and I are going to have... Even though we're both CX professionals, we're both going to have a different experience based on that business decision um, and and where we are, you know, what, what are our preferences? So, you know, who who are they? They could be turning away a great high value customer purely because they took a business decision without thinking of the customer. Uh, interesting blog posts. Um, uh, we don't have all day to go through all the ones that uh, make me giggle on your uh, g- giggle and think <laughs> on your on your website. Um, so you mentioned uh, your latest book, The Experience Maker. What is it about, and and what led you to write it? So over the years, both working in corporate America and consulting and speaking, 
I have just been exposed, as you have, to many, many companies and examples of great experience. And for me anyway, it was important in my personal brand to always focus on positive experiences. Uh, I tend to be a more positive, optimistic person. And I also believe that there's enough people that are kind of jumping onto the brands that are failing that I didn't need to be yet another person to uh, to add on to it. So I had been collecting, I sort of called it a library of examples. Uh, I use, you know, a dozen or so in every keynote speech and try to change them up. But the book was really about trying to put them all in one place, to unload my library and to share it within a framework that I had developed uh, that helps companies figure out how to create the kinds of experiences specifically that people want to talk about that they want to share. And that's why I refer to remarkable experiences. It's worthy of remark, worthy of discussion. The thing is, is that so many of the experiences that we have are ordinary, they're average, and that's not what people talk about. Uh, I like to joke, you know, nobody's ever said, let me tell you about the perfectly average restaurant I went to last night. They're either gonna tell you if it was really great or really bad, but they're not going to talk to you about it if it was average. And so it's it's about how do you, what are the ways that we can look at our business and all of the places in the journey and figure out how to make them worthy of discussion. And it's interesting because when you talk to companies, a lot of times they're afraid of people talking about them, right? And there's this question of, uh-oh, you know, what if somebody took a picture of this and shared it on social media? Well, to me, I say that's a giant red flag. And if you're afraid of somebody taking a picture of something and sharing it on social media, I would change that something because it is going to happen. I ask people to look at it completely the other way, which is how do we get more people to share and and talk about us in social media or with their friends and family? Because we all know that word of mouth marketing is the most powerful form of marketing. I think a lot of companies got tripped up thinking that all it took was a viral video to get you word of mouth marketing. But if I knew how to create a viral video, I'd be a very wealthy man right now. Uh, and I think that customer experience is that way. It's that way to create word of mouth marketing. Um, so that's what the book is about. And then I, I dive into uh, how to implement a little bit more. Because again, I've been able to do this in companies. So I understand how it works and how to navigate and what the teams have to look like and et cetera. I, I think that's a great filter. Is it worthy of remark as part of the journey towards becoming remarkable? Now, you start the book with a chapter, traditional marketing is no longer enough. Now, you've been in marketing, I've led marketing teams. Uh, I, I know that I've had a lot of pushback from hardcore marketers that, you know, it's just, you know, the next best ad that how do we make our brand resonate more? You've heard all the arguments too that marketing is king. Why do you think that it's not enough anymore? So you actually mentioned something earlier that I want to come back to. You mentioned this idea of how everything is about emotion. And my belief today is that the vast majority of marketing is nothing more than promising the experience. It is telling you this is what it's going to feel like when you drink our beer or when you drive our car or when you vacation in our hotel. It's about telling you your feelings before you have them, right? This is going to be warm and fuzzy, or this is going to be crisp and cold, or this is going to be fast and fun. And 
that's what marketing is promising. When you add to the fact that marketing is often the very first part of the experience, because there are many, many brands that we first become aware of simply because we see their marketing, it starts to become clear that marketing and customer experience aren't distinct anymore. They're actually becoming much closer. And so to me, when I say marketing is not is no longer enough, it's that if your only focus is on the open rate and the click-through rate of your emails, then what I know is you may be very good at writing emails, but you're not necessarily creating experiences. And ultimately, what we're finding is that consumers are more loyal to the brands that they have great experiences with. And that's all we're looking for, right? We want them to stay with us. We don't want them to be uh, to be tempted by our competitor offering some price discount that's a promotional rate that expires in a little bit of time. We want our customers to be smarter than that and to say, no, 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 I get treated really well at this company. And yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive, but I don't care. If you think about it, that's why zillions of people drink at Starbucks every day. It's because of the experience. I mean, yeah, the coffee's good too, but the reason we pay up is because it is such a great experience. It's consistent. I walk to my local Starbucks and I walk in the door before I've gotten to the counter. They're already making my drink because they know me there. That's priceless. That is, you know, and and to be honest, that same drink has gone up in price probably 25%, 30% since I started going there. And it doesn't matter because I like the experience there. Mm. And you hit on a key part or a key part for, from my perspective, the consistent experience. It, it's not that Starbucks said that you're going to come in you know, they had this great marketing campaign that said, you come to us, you'll have a great experience. The coffee will be hot. It will be fresh. You know, we'll have free Wi-Fi and all these wonderful things. And you went there and you experienced it. But the second time you went in, none of that existed. It It is always the Starbucks way, not some of the time. So uh, how, how do brands get better at that consistency piece? That's a great question. And as you get bigger and bigger, it becomes harder and harder. I think Starbucks has done a good job of that. I mean, McDonald's really focused on that, too, that, you know, uh, anywhere you go in the world, although the menu is going to change, there's, I think, six items that are on the menu in pretty much every McDonald's on the planet. And that's very intentional. Uh, and certainly, if you are within a country, everyone you go to should be serving exactly the same food. Um, it is harder to do as you get bigger. But again, I think it is a, it's a, it's done by consistently listening to your customers and taking feedback and continuing to improve. So the menu at Starbucks or McDonald's is not the same as it was when they first started. One of my favorite stories from one of Howard Schultz's books, he is the, for those who don't know, the founder and now again, third time CEO of Starbucks is he talks about very early days when Starbucks was trying to be, they were trying to emulate Italian cafes. And so they had made some business decisions that were based on how the Italian cafes did it. One of them was apparently, I'm not an expert here, but apparently in Italy, asking for skim milk in your coffee is like considered, you just don't do that, right? It's, it's either the rich cream or nothing. So he was sitting in one of his restaurants and he watched a woman come in. She had clearly just been to the gym. She's in a jumpsuit of some sort. And she asks for a coffee with skim milk. And the barista politely says, I'm sorry, we don't have skim milk. And the lady turns around and leaves. 
And the next day, as, as he tells the story, Howard Schultz tells all of his stores, we're now serving skim milk because that's what our customers asked for. And now in every store, there's skim milk. And so I think a lot of it has to do with continuing to listen to what your customers want, to getting the feedback. Um, I always say we, we want both positive and negative feedback. The positive tells us what we're doing right and that we should be doing more of it. The negative tells us how we can do better and how we can continue to improve the experience. A key reason why we shouldn't ignore detractors, right? If you're using an NPS scale, I know you wrote about this recently as well, that detractors are are gold. You know, they're telling you the pain that you're creating and, and what their expectations are. In in the book, you also encourage us to become wise. Now, uh, do I need to go and join a local library or, or what do you mean by wise? <laughs> well, I wanted to teach people how to become wise to customer experience. And then uh, ultimately, and here's a little bit of a spoiler alert, to be wiser than the competition. And so uh, wise stands for witty, immersive, shareable, and extraordinary. And these are four facets of experiences that cause people to want to talk about them. You can use one of them or you can stack them and use multiple at a time. And then once people start talking about you, you wanna be responsive and that's the R in wiser because if somebody gives you a compliment and you ignore them, uh, they're not going to think as highly of you the next time. And so, and that's where we get back to what I was saying before of, of, of customers wanting to have a relationship with brands. And so to create a relationship, you need to be responsive. Mm. Uh, fantastic. Uh, I listen to customers, be responsive to customers, and evolve with customers. Uh, some great takeouts from today's show with you, Dan. What's the best way for people to stay in connection with you? Uh, well, Come to my website at dangingus.com. It's uh, D-A-N-G-I-N-G-I-S-S. I'm also very active on LinkedIn and Twitter. And because I teach about being responsive, I think you will find me very responsive if you reach out to me. So we'll have all those details in the show notes, of course. And as we wrap up this episode, I have one last question for you, Dan. What's one thing that our listeners should do when they finish listening to this episode to start improving the experience they deliver. Well, I'm going to go back to my friend, Howard Schultz. I wish he was my friend. I've never met him, but uh, he's still my business hero. And my answer is become a customer of your own company. If you work for Starbucks and haven't tried everything on the menu, you are behind. When I worked at McDonald's, I did. I went through the entire menu and wanted to try every item. If you work for Volkswagen, you should be driving one of those. If you can't afford one, you should rent one. There are so many people at so many companies that have never used their own company's products or services, that have never visited their own company's website, that have never called their own company's customer service center. There is no possible way that you can know what your customers are going through unless you're a customer yourself. I understand there are certain businesses where that's harder to do. So sometimes you just need to align yourself with a real customer and sit side by side. But whenever possible, become a customer of your own company. That's uh, fantastic. Become a customer of your own company. Use what you're trying to get people to, to be loyal to. I absolutely love it. Again, thank you, Dan, for being on the show today. My pleasure. Great to talk to you. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. And don't forget to check out any bonus content mentioned in today's episode at allaboutxm.com. 
You can find more information about Jason at jasonsbradshaw.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.